today I welcome Chuck Baldecki, Head of School at Charlotte Latin in the USA. In this episode, I discuss the impact of USA culture wars on independent schools, the importance of human capital, digital leadership, role modeling behavior, and character education. I want to talk about your own podcast because you do host a podcast, Teaching and Learning at Charlotte Latin School. And I know you select topics from listener submitted questions. Why did you choose to set up and host a podcast in the first place? So in all fairness, we just started this. And I think it really was, we've been looking for different mediums to reach parents in time of COVID. We just don't gather as a community in the same way. And I'm really, you know, I know we'll talk probably about this later too. I hope that changes. You know, this is my third year. And in some ways, my families know me really well because in COVID, I just, you had to take charge. But you just don't have those opportunities to gather. And when we did our first podcast, the feedback that was really interesting is the warmth in your voice really came through, right? And I think that was kind of interesting because uh, a lot of my communication has been in writing. And I love that. And I think the connotation doesn't come through. Your voice doesn't. It comes through in a different way, but uh, you know, warmth sometimes is lost. And um, I just felt like it was really important for us to sort of do kind of not really a question and answer because it's a podcast, but to sort of get those questions that people have and then answer those questions in, you know, a really sort of genuine way and at the same time allow for, you know, maybe that warmth that would happen if we had a family gathering or an event at school and I had to speak at that. And what would you say is the goal? Parents' insight into maybe a little more detail. For example, I think in the future, we're going to talk a little bit about curriculum. We're going to talk about the budget. We'll talk about, you know, athletics. We'll talk about, you know, the arts. So where they may get a little bit of detail here and there with each of these podcasts, I will sort of, you know, in the first one, I was sort of interviewed, but in future ones, I probably will interview different administrators and faculty and staff that really have more of that duty and role and hopefully pull back that curtain a little bit and get a little bit of more information. And is it delivering so far? It is. Really pleased with the first one. And we're probably going to put out the second one, I'd say, in probably a couple of weeks. So it, it really has been a nice, nice touch. And we'll see how it goes. We don't have a set time frame of it, but I feel like it's another, another venue for our parents and our community to sort of get to know me better and also what we're doing at Latin. Did it surprise you that your parents actually wanted to hear your voice? Uh, you know, not, not, not your literal voice, but your real voice. I mean, I, I think that was kind of interesting. You know, I think what probably, it's not that they haven't heard my voice. We've been on Zoom calls and we have coffees, for example. I mean, schools are doing so many different things, right? We'll have coffee with Chuck at Latin. And, you know, I'll never forget this. When we did our first one in April of 2020, we had 320 people on the Zoom. And we had been out of school for about a month. They just wanted to be with people again, even though it was online. And I certainly have continued that practice, but that's a little bit different. You know, I'm, I'm really more updating. And a lot of it, quite frankly, is answering specific questions about COVID and what we will do or school and hybrid and that kind of question and answer. I think what has been very interesting, I also did a lot of videos at the beginning of COVID. And again, I had never done a video before that, but you just realized you needed to reach your parents in a way and try to create community and warmth. And it's still been very difficult to do. I feel like, you know, like all things with COVID, we're going to keep some of these things that really work. And at the same time, where it's not appropriate and we're happy to go back to everybody being together, we'll do that too. But I mean, you mentioned you obviously like to listen to books. So, I mean, 
it's probably no surprise that parents in your community want to listen because they're like you, busy and it's digital, it's easy accessible and it also conveys emotion and people have a little time now with, you know, these crazy chaotic lives that parents have, juggling jobs, their kids at schools, their kids on devices. The amount of time that we actually have to be present is is becoming slimmer and slimmer. So being able to dial in and listen in and hear you is actually a nice kind of way of engaging with the school as opposed to going, I have to read this, right? It's kind of, this is this is good, this is intelligent, but it's just reading, right? And I just want to feel it. Absolutely. And I think it is difficult too, because you're trying to convey that warmth and personality and connection, and yet you're doing it through technology. We even know that we learned it teaching, you know, in a hybrid style last year. I mean, it's certainly better than not having that capability, but really does fall short as well. And so it really has been, I think, an incredible test. There's certainly a lot of negatives with COVID, but I think the positive piece is it really has allowed schools that maybe were sort of stuck and really didn't want to try new things, especially with technology. I laugh. The first three months of COVID moved my faculty baseline of knowledge of technology from, from you know, from Luddite to to really pretty comfortable in handling technology and how they enter and you know interweave it into the classroom and how they teach. It's really been a nice aspect of COVID. We were forced to do that. And on some of my previous podcasts, I've talked about this being the perfect storm to try things because people are expecting you to fail, right? It's like, okay, well, I don't mind if you fail because I just want you to keep trying new things because we're, we're all stuck in this together. How are you going to teach my kids? So it was a really good opportunity to do that. But I think with technology as well, I think humans, but schools, organizations get carried away by thinking technology is the solution. And actually, technology is an enabler, right? And again, you've chosen the route to put these into podcasts, which is using the technology as a platform to enable a greater engagement with the community that wants to listen. Likewise, with teaching online, not all of it was great. Technology enabled it to continue. And then you have different levels of teachers who can then connect and immerse people, you know, the students in digital learning by just using the tools. And that's another level of probably training. But it's great to kind of hear that, as I said, you tried new things and you you saw that kind of professional level step up. Yeah. And I think what was interesting for me is there was a lot of conversation pre-COVID about online learning replacing schools. You know, what people were looking down sort of, you know, the next 10, 20 years and what would happen, what's really been fascinating is I think in-person school What we've learned is it's an incredibly valuable way to educate children and parents are going to be willing to pay for that service because it is superior. And again, I know there are differing views, but what we decided at Charlotte Latin pretty early is whatever we need to do to have students learn in person, we're going to have to do. And our faculty and staff have been amazing because they just, we realized we had to bring everyone back as a community. And, you know, COVID was a puzzle. You just had to figure out how to keep kids safe and faculty safe. But, you know, at the same time, once you kind of figure out what that puzzle is, then you need to execute it. And, you know, I think building that sense of community, I mean, the hand of the teacher on the shoulder of the child who's distracted, you know, just a simple piece walking by the desk and then that second grader back on the page, that wasn't happening online. You realize that, you know, okay, also noticing that a student didn't quite get the lesson. And being able to to sort of see that and then approach them after class and say, look, you'd like to come back, you know, during my free period, I'm here to help you learn more. And those are things that you could somewhat see online, but really missed. 
that's really, I think, the importance of it. Down to the basics that humans need humans, actually. You know, we, we need human connection because we're pretty advanced species where we feel, right? We feel all these emotions. We, we want to see it, smell it. We have the senses. And you can't do that online. I said it, it was a way of us being able to deliver education, but it's not the perfect way of delivering education. There is a mix that I believe still exists, which is, you know, how do we fix the future of education? And actually, you know, having parents be able to pay for it, it, it becomes quite a minority piece that the rich can afford. And obviously through bursaries and, and other things that you can support other capable families, you know, and that's where online can work because you can reach millions of people, but you need inspiring people, right? And it's more about, am I inspired to learn and be interested is one thing. And then you need humans and people contact to kind of facilitate the learning of it. And I think they're two different things and maybe schools will change in that regard as we move on. Would you encourage other heads? You only just started this journey at podcast. It sounds like you're loving it and you've got great engagement already. Would you encourage um, other heads to start their own podcast? Absolutely. I, I think it's, you know, again, I would encourage heads to be creative about the way they interact with their communities. I feel strongly about this as a head of school and it may be different in Britain and, you know, even in Australia, but with the United States, I feel like we are the neighborhood more and more. Families look to their school in a way to be the place where they come together. It's not only where their children make friends and learn, but it's where our families invest their time and make their social connections. And I think that it is important to continue to build that sense of community. And so I really encourage heads of school to try different things. And for your community, it may work, it may not. And it's also interesting because it's not necessarily, there's no one you know silver bullet. I mean, some people are attracted to the podcast. Other people just want a letter. And then, you know, other people really don't want any information unless it's really important. And, uh, you know, what are my kids' grades and how are things going? But that's about it, you know? And, and so you just have to acknowledge that people consume information in a variety of ways. And at the same time, you don't want to overload yourself. I mean, I certainly have an Instagram account for myself that's involved the school, but I also don't post every day. I mean, I don't, you know, I can't live online and, and do all that. I think it needs to be thoughtful and sort of spread out so that, you know, different parents can consume information in a different way. Yeah. And the school leaders, you know, we're there to role model and to steward, you know, we are, you know, we have to deliver an education that's relevant, but also, you know, it's important that we're not using term Luddites earlier. We you know we can't be the ones that go, oh, you know, Instagram, that's alien podcast. Why would I do that? I like writing a letter. You know, what are we actually modeling for our children that we're trying to go and say, look, be open-minded. There's growth here. Try new things. It may not be your thing, but try it. And I think that's really great by seeing you take on a podcast is that it was alien to you, but you realized that you needed to do that. And it probably wasn't easy to think that can I do this or do I want to do this? But it gives you that confidence to go, you know, my community just want to hear from me. It's an authenticity. And you're just using a channel. I mean, I think the other thing is, I mean, certainly with education in the last 30 years, I'd say what we've learned more is actually how people learn, how humans learn and what in the different styles. And it seems exactly what you said. You've got to model that and try to find the different ways that people learn best. And you hope to do that in the classroom. And as a teacher, you can't just teach one way. You've got to teach multiple different ways and try to connect with your students. And I think the same thing. I mean, as a head of school, you really are the lead teacher for the school and the community. And so you have to look at different ways to communicate as well. And, you know, you talked about all these different channels and you are active on quite a lot. And it's about being thoughtful. 
You have a blog called Under the Covered Walkways. You are active on lots of social media. You have more than 1,200 followers on Instagram. You know, you are truly a digital leader. Why do you make it a priority to engage your school community through all of these channels? And how can you make sure that they are thoughtful and they don't overload you? I think that's the big question is to overload. I feel like the reason I've chosen to look at the different pathways is what we talked about earlier. I just want to make sure that I reach out. And at the same time, you know, I do think that through the different mediums to reach folks, you also show different parts of your personality and your priorities and what you value. And so it's important to, again, make sure you do that in a pretty consistent level. But at the same time, when you do it in a different medium, you also are showing people that you're willing to look at things in a different way. It mirrors a little bit about what you're doing as a leader leader and what you're trying to project. You know, again, like we talked about, some things show more of your humanity and other things show more of your vision. Others, you know, sort of are really just to get information across. So I will say that the thing that I struggle with a little bit is to make sure that you give proper time to each and you don't allow it to fracture your message. And then it comes down to time. And I'll, I'll talk about time in a minute. But I mean, do you have a favorite channel? Do you have a preferred channel? You know, your blog, your Instagram. Obviously, you're starting off with the podcast. I mean, do you have a preferred one right now where you like to spend the time? No, I don't. I'm actually just sort of playing around with it. The interesting thing is, as we mentioned earlier, I was way more focused on Audible and reading, listening to books. And then I do love NPR, National Public Radio, is a will have some really interesting interviews from time to time. And so I began to do that. I do love David Axelrod uh, has Axe Files, and I always found that podcast really fascinating. I love how, you know, even though obviously he worked for Obama, but he's got some great interviews with politicians on the right and the left in the middle. And he always is really insightful. You know, I find that he models a little bit of that piece that I want to see where we really have civil discourse <laughs> about the things that are going on, at least in America. So there are a lot of different podcasts out there. And do you have a favorite platform that you like to share your voice on? So with Instagram, the blog? Well, you know, it's interesting. Yesterday, for the first time in a while, COVID is beginning to subside here at Omicron. I gave a talk to the upper school and we had a full upper school. And I have to say, I've missed that. <laughs> um, so here we are talking about the digital piece. I have to say, being in front of our upper school students, you know, what, 500 or so, and I wanted to talk to them about community and specifically how I felt like community had sort of come under assault in COVID and where I had seen really wonderful examples of supporting individuals and at the same time coming together as a group. And I also wanted to give them some hope. And I do feel like when we come back, it's going to be sort of spring sports start for us and then we will move into spring. And I just feel like there is a lot of hope in moving past COVID. And I really want to try to get back to the new normal. You know, we, I don't know what that is, but I have to say that's something that I had not done in a long time. And it was really pretty amazing. That's the downside of digital because we've had to rely on and, and spend more time on it. Yes, there's been a little bit of burnout because, you know, you can spend too much time in front of screens, but also when you do get involved and with social platforms, you know, there's that dopamine kind of hit where it's a natural human thing to be liked, right? It comes back to the human side. And the problem with those platforms, you know, there's a good and bad, but if you're on lots of these and the more you post, the more you're going to get back, the more you have to reply. I mean, how do you manage that as a distraction? Are you quite disciplined in it or do you just, you know, do you feel there's some weeks so you go, I'm just responding and, 
I really find that I have to take, you know, blocks of time to really maybe answer the more thoughtful emails. And I do find that blocks of time, in my opinion, are better than sort of just trying to hit it throughout the day because the focus is not there that I wish. And sometimes it's just, you know, you just have to answer things. But then I have to admit, sometimes it's daunting. I'll wake up early in the morning and I come in and I've got, you know, 50 emails. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this? But you realize you just sort of have to set the time away, get it done, answer those things or delegate the responsibility. I do feel a responsibility to get back to people within 24 hours, but I can't always do that. And then on the other side of that, I will tell you, my administrative team knows this. There are some weekends where I will tell them that if you really need me, you have to text me because I'm not going to look at my emails on Saturday until midday on Sunday. And you just got to. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. You know, the technology is designed to be disruptive. And the problem is you can't plan for disruption. If you're dictated by the device or the platform or a like or a request or an email, you never get anything done. And it's a very hard discipline to be able to do. And I think it gets distracted in the younger generation. Certainly my younger employees, the same, where it's very easy. I could waste a day just on email. I'm not expecting any emails, but I could waste a whole day if I just stood there looking at my emails and went, I'm just going to respond to anything that comes in. And actually what I'll find is that actually I'm not task focused. And so there is a discipline there in terms of modeling. And it's great to see that, A, I love the fact that you're, you're modeling the sort of digital literacy, the ability to try, you know, social media to have a voice. And it's also just to be honest and about, you know, there are pitfalls to it. And we have to tell our young men and women exactly how to take care of this. You know, I turn off notifications. But I just don't have them on. I choose to go into social when I want to, when I'm having a coffee or whatever. Otherwise, again, we're constantly going, oh, someone liked it, someone retweeted it, someone commented, and it's like... Well, and I think the other thing is, the more and more I read about human behavior, I know people pride themselves on multitasking. More and more I read, we don't do a good job. We may think we do, but we really don't do a good job with multitasking. And, and that makes sense to me, because I think you just have to focus. And it's interesting, because I'll talk to parents about parenting. And, you know, you've got interesting points of view, right? You've got a parent who travels a lot for work and they feel really guilty about not being home. But then you also may have someone who stays home. They're not really focused on giving that genuine time. And so it's interesting because I can see a parent who travels a lot for work have actually really genuine relationships with their children because they focus on their child when they're home. And that child can actually feel the sense of focus and prioritization. And yet I also see people who have, um, you know, probably more time with their children, but they're not giving that focus at any point in time. And so it's not, it doesn't have the depth. And so when you talk about parenting, which I think is a really important piece of education, it is that focus that actually sends that note that you're my priority. My kids, you know, have come to work with me our entire time. We spend a lot of time together as a result of that. I mean, during the school day, they don't necessarily, but my point is, as much time as I spend with my kids and, and sort of work and home is sort of intermingled, the truth is they still want more time with me, especially when they were young. They just that's part of it. So you've got to you've got to figure it out. And I think prioritization is just a really key part of not only teaching but parenting. 
yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm glad you touched on parenting because I, I don't think we talk enough and about supporting the parents because they're in the digital world. They're probably the worst role models. They're caught in it because no one really taught them either, you know, how we model behavior with our own phones and how do we become present, right? And being present is enormously difficult. And, you know, I've got four kids and right now my, my daughter's off at university. So any moment I have with her, it will be quality time. I, I make sure of it. My son's at boarding school. So again, he comes back every weekend. And I know that I'll have some time with him, but it'll be good quality time. My other two kids, because they come back every day, it's probably less so because they're in the house all the time. Right? So they're, they're just there doing their own things. And so I probably have less quality time with those two than I do with the other two. And this comes back to your point. Schedules, focus, it makes you disciplined to make sure you get the right balance. And sometimes you lose focus. Do you think in this digital age that the role of the head has changed from chief academic to chief marketeer? I think it's a component. And I would say, you know, three or four. You know, I was a director of admission before I became a head of school. And so it has always been on my mind that, you know, not only do I represent the school, but I also, I've got to promote one independent school education in the school of which I work. So that's been a part of my life for a long time. And I see the value in it. And I think that all of that is really critical. But, you know, and again, I know it's different in different parts of the world, but philanthropy is a huge part, an aspect of independent schools and success there. And then I think also being the head educator and leading your faculty and staff and making sure that you, I'm a huge fan of character education and social emotional learning. You've got to make sure that you're modeling that for the students and your faculty as well. And so it does. And there, there are just, I do believe firmly, there are a lot more demands on heads of school today than there were. And, you know, sometimes I look back and, and just the old headmaster um, <laughs> where you maybe taught a class and then you, you wrote letters. When you look back, it's just so antiquated. It, it seems like, oh my gosh, it must have been Niverna to not have to deal with all of that. But the reality is the job is very complex today. You are running a small business, in some cases, pretty large business. I think the other thing that is fascinating to me, and I say this because of sort of the business background, and you have a lot of trustees, especially that have business background, schools, people care and love their school and the community in a way that they don't care about businesses. You know, it's one of the reasons why people are so generous, but it also is why they're so passionate about topics. Even if, you know, Coca-Cola or GM or Apple made a decision, it's just not the same. And I think sometimes we have looked at it, okay, this is more and more like a business, but what has just always been different is people love their school from alumni to parents, to past parents, to students. That makes it more complex. You can't run it like a business. It's not a, kids are not widgets. We're talking about human beings, but that doesn't mean that, you know, there aren't aspects of it that are like a business. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and you have to balance the business side, but really, you know, you are managing the human capital, the human commodity. It is very different. And that's why people are gravitate to, supporting the community within a school because of the people we you know we, we want those connections we want that authentic story we want to feel good we want to share with to service we want to help i want to kind of come into obviously america's gripped by divisions of race politics there's a lot of cultural wars going on around history do you think private schools will survive the culture wars always am hopeful that that will be the case and i think that but i will tell you it is for a long time, schools were a little bit of a bubble and did not have to sort of 
contend with sort of the political storm that's happening in the greater country conversation. But that's changed. And I think a lot of it actually has to do with COVID. I'm not saying that it wasn't there before, but COVID just it changed things in a way that there just has been a coupled with an erosion of trust in institutions. And of course, schools are the personification, if you will, of, of institutions. I mean, we are these communities and have worked, you know, and as I said, people get passionate about it, about topics. But I have to say that it does worry me. I see, unfortunately, you know, there are people that just want to tear down institutions and, you know, sort of ask questions later. And I think the more important piece is we have to model that civility in the classroom. I have to say this in the last couple of years, especially, I've been so impressed with our students and their ability to discuss and treat people with respect, have these conversations than I necessarily have with parents. You know, and I think what is missed as much as people are looking and saying, oh, gosh, this is being taught in the classroom and that's being taught. The vast majority of our classroom discussions, you know, students are talking about their different points of view. Faculty members are running a really wonderful dialogue and modeling that and making sure that different points of view get expressed. You know, I actually feel like schools are the solution to this problem. And I feel like we are going to have to continue to stay at it and keep focused and, you know, try to block out that noise and continue to provide opportunities for our kids to see, like, this is, this is the way you solve a problem and you come together and you have this discussion and you share different points of view and you're very respectful of other individuals. And they, my view is they get it. Sometimes I don't feel like our parents do. Yeah. And I suppose that leads into Charlotte Latin's guiding principle, which is honor above all. Do you feel that honor, the description of honor has changed over the decades and how is honor represented today in education? Uh, you know, it's interesting. I don't feel like it's changed. And I think some of the things about sort of, I mentioned sort of Plato's Domino before. I mean, I do think there's a, you know, as a, a nest to everything, like there's a core. And I think that, you know, if you really stick true to it, honor above all, and you, and you think about that, I, you know, what I love about it at Latin is it's, it's above our door when you leave the classroom. And so I also love that kind of that metaphorical, you have to lift your eyes up, right? We lift up to see honor above all and, and kind of that aspiration. And I have to say this that I think is really important. And I say this when we talk even with our sort of honor council and you know, don't lie, cheat, steal kind of conversation that we have for our character education is my expectation is not that our kids are any more honest than the kids down the street. Human beings are human beings. They struggle with it. What I do think is very different, though, it is very clear at Charlotte Latin School what is expected of you. We do it in a very public way. And when you don't reach that expectation, you can't say, I didn't know that that was the expectation, that I wasn't supposed to cheat. Because actually what you say is, no, that we as a community actually put that out there. My point about that is that we are, then that tension, that teachable moment is defined. And that's why I think character education is so important in schools and that you really, we're not all about math in English. The real truth of it is we're all trying to be a human being and a good human being. And therefore it's so relevant. Now, I think what is different is people want to apply honor to this and that. I, you know, I think you can always bend things to sort of your end goal. But I think the core part of that, the ness of it, if you will, is stays true. And that's actually what makes Charlotte Latin special as well as other schools that really focus on various parts of character education. The character education, the moral compass, yeah, I think it's hugely important. 
for all young men and women to have as a backbone to education. And it's not about math. It's not about science. It's not about anything. It is, are you a good human? And I say to my kids, you've got to work hard. You've got to be nice to people. And the other bit, you know, I just want you to be happy, confident children. And if you can become happy, confident teenagers, hopefully you'll remain that and be happy, confident adults with a little blend of curiosity, right? So there's an unwavering kind of need to kind of just to look behind the door and to do something different. Chuck, thanks ever so much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed our session together. What leadership lessons would you take from COVID? I mean, is there anything that you've learned personally to go, actually, I would do this differently or? You know, it's interesting. We have a senior semester course at Latin and it's on leadership. And I will get interviewed by that group. And it's, I will say this. So I've, I've actually thought about this question quite a bit. And this sounds simple, but what I've learned in COVID is you have to lead. You have to make decisions. And I think that's the really difficult part about being a leader is everyone is going to have an opinion about your decision and you can't have paralysis and not make a decision. You have to just go with your judgment and you have to really think about it. And I think that one of the important things of being a good leader is to be able to synthesize the information around you. But at the same time, you can't shy away from making a decision because at the end of the day, if we are going to get through something like COVID, you've got to make decisions. I remember very early on, actually, that first spring, Charlotte Latin, actually, I, we decided that we were going to have graduation and we had it outside. And we really thoughtfully put it together. But my word, you would have thought even from folks, folks that I had gone crazy. And But we had graduation. It was fantastic. And so you have people on sort of the really cautious side of COVID just saying, I can't believe you're doing this. And then three months later, we decided that we would wear masks in school because it was going to protect kids from getting COVID. And again, the other side was like, I can't believe you're taking away the individual right of my child. I, you know, we don't want to wear masks. And I'm thinking to myself, folks, you may be on opposite sides of the spectrum, but I want to have kids in school. I want to create that interaction. Both of those decisions are sound in that philosophy. We are going to have school. Graduation is going to be in person, and we're going to do it in a way that is thoughtful and safe. And then we're going to come back to school this fall. And we actually have put together a really incredible plan that's thoughtful and detailed. But its main purpose is to actually bring kids together with faculty members and have school. You just have to lead. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.